Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Hey, thanks for uh, being here this morning. I'm, I'm glad we all made it. You guys know, I'm, most of you know, I'm Pastor Aaron. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being here. Grab your Bible and turn to Acts 17. Open up your YouVersion app. Uh, open up the CT app. Hey, those connection cards are there on purpose because we really want to connect. That's why they're called connection cards. And so uh, many of you will know that over the course of the last few weeks, when you fill out one of those cards, when you, uh, especially when you leave us a, 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 a prayer request, uh, you're probably going to get a uh, probably a text message from me saying, "Hey, I'm praying for whatever you ask us to pray about," and so I want you to know that we're we're, we're in this together. And I will tell you this: uh, our intercessory team gets gets that list of prayer requests, and our elder team gets that list of prayer requests. And so we we're, we're, we've got you covered, and we're going to keep you covered. But if you don't fill out the cards, we we won't know two things: we won't know that you were here, and we won't know how to help you. We won't know what happened during service that really ministered to your heart, and we won't know how to help you to make first steps. So it's vitally important that every one of you fill out one of those things before we leave the day. So that's cool. Be a part of Survey. I can't really wait to do join join forces together and 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 make an impact on our community. Um, looking forward to that um, and see what God does through there. So we're gonna look at Acts 17. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump in. So Jesus, we thank you and we bless you and we honor you, Jesus, for who you are, uh, for what you do, God. That Lord Jesus, you're the one who rules and reigns. And God, when we don't have uh, Hope and strength, God, you have all that we need. And so, Lord, we trust you. God, we want more than anything else, God, in this moment, in this space, God, to hear you speaking. Lord Jesus, not some slobbering, blubbering fella who sweats a lot. God, we want to hear you. We want to, we want to know what you have to say. And we want your word to change our hearts, to change our minds, and to change our lives. And so, Jesus, let us not take this moment for granted. Lord, we love you. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. About 20... Let me think. 22-ish years ago, I was uh, walking around in in this building, and uh, one of my my spiritual fathers... um, Pastor Eric approached me one day, and he asked me a question. He was the, the, the former pastor of this church, and he said, So, Aaron, if God ever gives you a chance uh, to be vocationally uh, a pastor, which means that's your job day in and day out, what are you going to do with all your time? And I thought, whoa. Because at that time, when he asked me that question, I was working, I was managing a store. I was newly married. Uh, my wife was going to Bible college, she was working, and we were squeezing youth ministry into about, oh, I don't know, six to eight hours a week, and I could not imagine what it would be like to have my entire week wrapped around doing, doing something for Jesus, because I had a bunch of other stuff going on. I remember sitting there going, wow, and I, I, I thought, what would I, what would I do with uh, and I, I mean, I just honestly didn't have an answer because I just my, my, everything is so was so spread out and just so like, uh, and I thought, man, I don't even know what that would. I don't know. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think a lot of us um, sit in, in in spaces like this, and like even 
even this week, you've probably had some things where you're like, oh my gosh, I just don't, I don't have enough space, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough energy. I'm, I'm, you know, how many of you had a question? Let's go. You ever, you, ever, you, you ever been talking to a friend you haven't talked to for a really long time? Man, we ought to get together. Yeah, let's do that, man. Let's get, you know, let's get a hamburger. Let's get a cup of coffee. Let's whatever, fill in the blank. And you guys start comparing your notes on what time you have and you can't find the time. They sit down with your friend and have a cup of coffee. Anybody ever done that? Have you ever felt like you want to help get something accomplished by giving of your resources, your time, your money? And then you start asking, how can I really? There's no way. I just, I don't have, there's nothing, there's nothing. No, I don't have no, I don't have it. I don't know even know how I begin to do that. How about this? You ever you ever had a time when a when a friend or a family member, a coworker really needs you, and you know right now you have no reserve, have no reserve emotionally, have no reserve time wise, have no reserve, and you start going, they need my help. I want to help them. I want to jump in, but I I just don't, I don't have it to offer. Anybody been like that? How many of you dads have thought, I need to be a better dad, and I just don't, I'm working X amount of hours a week. we got to pay these bills. i got that going on every time I turn around. Something else is happening, and I just want to be that guy, but I just don't. Anybody like that? i got good news for you. See, that's, th- 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 those are things that, that, that God wants to help you f- fix. See, I think many of us in this room feel like that, we probably felt that tension this week. There's something that's really in our heart to do, something really to be a part of. And maybe even this morning, something's come up and you're like, oh, maybe serve day. You saw that video on serve day and you're like, yes, but July 13th is a really bad day. Well, I got that, 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 and you already, or you already know this far in advance, a month out, like, oh, crud, that's a bad, that's a bad week for me. Oh, I want to so bad. And you're like, oh, no, right? Uh, you know, I think we live there most of the time. And some of you, right now, right now, some of you are like, you're already thinking about this week, and you are wore out. It's Sunday morning, Monday's coming, and you're like, oh my gosh, not again. Here, I'm, we're going to go home from church, we're going to eat Father's Day dinner, or whatever else we're going to do, and it's going to be 5 o'clock today before I know what happened, and then coming to, at 4.30 tomorrow, it starts again. And now what am I going to do? Am I right? Let me ask you a few questions. What, what if you had margin in your finances? What would that look like? What would you do? With it? What if you had space? What if every time something went wrong, it wasn't a big deal financially? What if? What, what, what if? What if every time there was a petition to help with something, to give financially, what if you had some extra to, to, to think about even, even giving to that? What, what, what would that be like? What, what if you had more margin in your schedule? What if something happened and somebody in your world really needed you? And you go, yeah, I'll be there on Thursday. That would be awesome. What, what if you had an emotional tank that was full, a mental reserve, so you could gladly step into what God wants? Now, I'm, not, and here's what I'm not talking about the organized church stuff necessarily. I'm talking about the day-to-day God directing your steps, and you see something, and God's like, hey, jump in there. And you go like, yeah, I can do that. And, and, and you can do it without stress. You can do it without taxing other relationships, and, and you can just jump in. What would that look like? See, when we live like we're, we're stressing about every little thing that could possibly happen or go wrong, and there's things we can't do that we want to do, we are in a survival mode. 
We're, we're, we're just trying to, to get through. We're just trying to get by. And God doesn't intend for us just to merely survive on this planet. He intends for us to thrive on this planet. And so the key to survival, and, uh, I don't even know if this is a word, survival and thrival. I don't know. I mean, some of you educators can help me out with that. I don't know. No, but it sounds good. It rhymes. And for, for, for preachers, that's good. You find stuff that rhymes, people remember that. Are you in survival or thrival mode? I don't know. And the only way you can begin to set your life up to, be, to not be in survival all the time and move over into a place of thriving is because you live within certain, certain parameters, not that you set, but that God sets, and we will call those margin. So today, if you want to be fully alive, we're going to talk about how to do that. To live fully, you must live with margin. To live life fully, you must. You have to live with margin. You have to live with a, in a space, in a place, within certain boundaries that God the Father in heaven sets for you so that you can be what you're supposed to be at any point, any time, any place, so that he can utilize your life the way he wants to. And, to, and, and the fact of the matter is, the American way of life has caused us to go into survival mode because we use credit cards all the time, because we, 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 think, we think busyness is a, is a badge of honor. I had 85 things to do this week, and my to-do list is conquered, and I'm, a, and I'm a busy, busy, busy bee, and I feel good about myself. And you know what? You don't have to feel good about yourself because no matter what you do today, God's still going to love you the same. doesn't matter. doesn't matter how you blow it today. His love for you doesn't change. It doesn't matter how many accomplishments you get through today. Guess what? He, he's not, his love doesn't change. You're not going to up the ante at all for him. You should learn to rest in him. You should learn to let him be the all in all and let him set the parameters so you can be what you're supposed to be. So this word margin you guys know what margin is? Margin is the space around the printed or written matter on a page. Many of you right now love the margins around those little cheat sheets because you get to doodle and write. There's extra space for you to do some things you want to do. Why don't you live your life that way? How about this? Uh, it's an amount allowed or available beyond what is actually necessary. How much, how much, how much how would you like to have something that's a, a available beyond what is actually necessary? Would you like to have that? How about, how about this? Is, is a limit in condition, capacity, etc., beyond or below which something ceases to exist, be desirable or possible? See, some of you aren't really living because you haven't limited anything. You were, you were just plowing every day. You're just at it. And, and you, you, you're, in a, you're in an existence mode. You're not in a thriving mode. And at some point in time, if you stay in that mode, you are going to cease to exist. Your ticker is going to give out. Your relationships are going to fall apart. Things like that are just going to continue to, to happen. And so the scriptures give us some, it's a border or an edge. And so to kind of think about the idea of living with margin, let's look at Acts 17. Rachel read from it a couple of times this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew, a yellow one. I want you to use it. We want you to take it home with you. Actually, that'll be yours. It'll be a gift from us. Happy Father's Day. And if you don't have a dad or you're not a dad, the God in heaven, the Father in heaven wants you to have that. So happy Father's Day. Now let me expand on some things you just said. I'm going to hit some points really quick, so just roll with me, okay? Here's some things I just jerked out of those, those four, five or six verses. 
Number one, God made and owns it all. That's verse 24. Real quick point right off the top. Number two, God gives life to all. That was in verse 25. Verse 25 also says God satisfies, what are those words? God satisfies every need. Is that cool? Number, verse 26 says this, God determines boundaries. Really important piece of the puzzle. God determines boundaries. Next point, God's purpose is, listen, this is awesome. God's purpose is to be sought and found. The reason he set boundaries is so people would look for him and find him. Is that crazy? Some of you think God's been eluding you. Like he's playing hide and seek. No, he's not. He's like, here I am. Whoa, hey. The problem is there's just too much interference between you and him. And there's not enough boundaries to keep certain things out so you can hear and see him. Right? And, and, la- and next, God is the focus, the force, and the flourishing of life. Verse 28. He is the focus, the force, and the flourishing of life. In him we live, in him we move, in him we exist God, and toward idolatry, which in, in, in turn becomes enslavement. You know what idolatry is? The worship of something other than God. When we worship other things, we're not really free, we're actually enslaved to certain things. Okay? We, we, I saw in, this ter- the, the, in a commentary these words. They talk about the, the words that they should seek the Lord. They said this that, is the, listen to this, that is the high end of all these arrangements for divine power and wisdom and love that we would look for God and find him. That, that's his hope. In everything that goes on in life, his hope is that we would seek for him and find him. See, and we need margin so that we have space to look for him. We need margin. We need boundaries so we can have a true relationship with the Lord and not just be busy doing things, actually walking with him through life. See, so for you to, for you to fully live, you have to live with margin. For you to fully live, for you to be fully alive, you have to have a certain amount of extra space. For your relationships, you have a certain extra space for your finances. You can have a certain extra space of your schedule. You can have a certain extra space for devotional life. You can have a certain extra space. And if you don't have any, that's why you're drying up. That's why you're in survival mode. Addicts get trapped in survival mode. And that's why they abuse their relationships. It clicks in. And what happens is it doesn't matter what else goes on. They have to get that next thing they think that makes them feel alive again. And that's why they betray parents and wives and spouses and kids and close friendships and all that stuff because that's why they're, 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 there's no margin in their mind for error and they have to hurry up and get what they have to get so they can feel like they're alive again. And guess what? Some, many of us aren't on some substance, but we live life exactly the same way. We eat people up. We use people up because we got to get to that next thing, make that next accomplishment, get that next paycheck, do that next thing, and we're just and we're running down and we're just chewing away. I just saw a piece of video this week of a pastor who, who I listened to a lot. His elder team made him go on a sabbatical. And he played a 10-minute video almost for his, of his church of him stepping away. They, they, they hijacked an elder team meeting, and they said, listen, Pastor Jim, you've been in ministry for 35 years. He'd been at that particular church for 13. He had never taken a whole vacation. And the vacations he was on, he was constantly writing sermons and figuring out programming and everything else. And he was just chewing it up, man, just chewing it up. And he, he apologizes at the end. I'm sorry. 
I've used, I got to get back putting things back in priority. Got to put things back in focus. And we're going to, these loving elders have put me in check so we can run a long race together and keep going. This is not a political sway for somebody else to sweep in and take the church. This is a chance for, for us to, to, to keep going and running the race. And I sat there and listened to him, and my, my, I just cried as I watched him talk and, 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 and give his poorest heart out to his people. It even happens to pastors. Pastors, family get, get, pastors' families get caught up in the fray of trying to do ministry. It starts, everything starts chewing. Time and energy and space and all that other stuff away. And so I get it. I completely get it. I've been in survival mode. I know what that's like. But God's heart for us is not for us to be there. Our heart, God's heart for us. Jesus said, I come that they may have life and that it might be full. That sounds like thriving to me. I'm going to pull out some things really quick, and we're going to run through them. To live fully alive, you must live with margin. Number one, since God created, owns, and gives life, he knows how life thrives. Verse 24 reads like this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. That will be hope for you today. That'll be, right now, you'll be thinking, like, listen, whatever need I have, God's got it. Whatever problem's going on, God's in, God's in control of it. Whatever else is happening, if I find my hope and my strength in him, he will pour life back into me because he's the satisfier. He doesn't need you. He loves you. He loves you desperately. He, he, he wants you to, to, to know that, that, that he, he, is, he is with you and that he's never going anyplace. But listen, you know, can I say something to you? If the totality of your Christian walk resides about what happens inside this building, you aren't reading this passage of Scripture very well. Since he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. Some of you live in survival mode because you don't do anything to create Mars in your life to actually walk with Jesus other than on Sunday. Because you think this is the place it's all going to happen. If you read the book of Acts, you rarely read of them being inside of a, of a, of a, of a, of a building like this. And God's grace and God's glory and God's power pours out on them, not because of the building they're residing in, but because they're together and they're on mission and they're walking this thing out and they're loving one another well and they're praying for one another and they're carrying the mission in them wherever they go, whatever they do. And God pours out his spirit on them all over the place. It's crazy. Stop being in survival mode, waiting for Sunday to happen, and make space in your life to walk with Jesus Monday morning and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning and Friday morning and Saturday night and all those places. Make space for that. Think of the garden. Jesus and the, God creates the Garden of Eden, and his purpose was that he would walk among them, and everything they needed was right there. It was right. There was no lack. There was no loss. He just that he would walk with Adam and Eve. The Bible says in the cool of the day in the garden, and he their life was ne human life was never more full than in that moment, never. And God has always intended to get human humanity back to that moment. In fact, if you read Genesis chapter one, you'll find the uh, in Genesis chapter two, you'll find this idea of, of this tree of life being there. If you go back to the back of the book, Revelation 20, 21, 22, you'll find the idea, these ideas that there's a tree of life there. And the Bible says they'll need no more, light, no, more, no more light because God is their light. He will be among them, and he will be their people. So when you read from the front of the book to the back of the book, the whole point is this. Make space for God because he wants in. 
He wants to be among you. He wants to walk with you. And he set certain parameters on purpose to make sure you're thriving, not just surviving. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But that, that's the point. So if you're going to live fully alive, you must live with margin. Another point I see is this. Since God created, owns, and gives life, he knows within which parameter, parameters it thrives. Verse 26, from one man he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Some of us, the reason we're in survival mode is because we have none. Zero, zilts, nada, boundaries. We're not thinking from day to day what God might want from us. We're just going to go loose, fancy, free, have at it. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to roll with it. And and there's nothing. And and God's like, "I'm, I'm with you. Stop. Stay with me. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't spend that money. Don't add that thing to your schedule. Don't worry about that thing on your to-do list. Walk with me. He knows what's best. And right now, some of you are absolutely freaking out because you're those kind of personalities that operates every day on a schedule and a to-do list and a da-da-da-da. And, blah, 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 blah. and you're, right now, you're like, some of you are breaking out in hives. Like right now, like, oh, crud, what is it? Where is Aaron? Where is Aaron going? Now, I got to admit to you, I have to put a to-do list together on, on a lot of days because otherwise I, 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 will be, I will be, I'll be out there. But maybe your to-do list needs to be God's to-do list and not just your to-do list. Maybe the place to start is not making the list. Maybe the place to start is say, God, what now? Just saying. God, God sets parameters. He, he sets boundaries. Listen to Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says this. Verse 2. The kings of the earth prepare for battle. See, we think we're the kings of our own domain. We get, to cho- we get the right to choose, plot, do whatever we're going to do to get where we want to go. And so we're kind of like these guys. The kings of the earth pr- prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Anytime you see the word anointed one, think the word Christ. That's what Jesus Christ means. That wasn't his last name. It was a title God had given him, that he was the anointed one, the one who would come to set the world free, to make it be what it was supposed to be in the, in the beginning, and to put relationship back to the Father with humanity. That, 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 that had been lost in it. So when it says that, he's talking about exactly about Jesus. And they say these words against the Lord and his anointed ones. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Some of us, we see God's parameters as chains. We see God's boundaries as limiting us from being what we're supposed to be. When God puts something in his word, he puts something, he puts, put, puts it there on purpose because he wants us to find a place of life being what it was supposed to be, the way he saw it being from the very beginning. And that has to do with everything around life. And the more we keep trying to throw his chains off and think we can redefine things and do things and stuff like that, the more we keep trying to do that, the more we find ourselves trapped, not free, and we feel free in the moment, and we feel free. We justify certain things, and we think we just throw that off. I don't. That, God didn't really mean that when he was talking. He didn't mean that for me when he talked about that. And that, that's something else, and all that sort of thing. And God's like, no, that's the place I'm going to try and help you find life. I'm trying to find you find hope. I'm, I'm trying to help you find wholeness. If you just live within that, let me walk this thing out with you. I would not be a good dad if I let my kids do anything, everything they want to do, and if I let them set the parameters. I would not be a good dad. Anybody with me on that? If my kids just picked whatever time they wanted to go to bed, what kind of dad would I be? If I let them choose just whatever kind of food they were going to eat. One of our kids, we started nicknaming him Diabetes. 
Because at any time you give him a choice, he's going to slug down some serious carbohydrates and sugar all day, every day. If you don't make sure he's eating other things, that's all he's going to eat. I mean, all day long. And, and, and so I would not be a good dad if I let him do that. And he feels free when it's happening, buddy. Woo! One more piece of cake. Yes! Right? But I'm not being a good dad. If I don't teach them responsibility and how to handle themselves, I don't set certain parameters around that, I'm not being a good dad. And so we can't expect the Heavenly Father to be any less than that. And when he writes things down and he speaks certain things on purpose, he's putting those things there. Uh, can I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But, but God, there's a couple sitting right over here. There's actually a couple couples sitting over here. Right? There's, there's more than a few. There's, there's, there's a lot of couples sitting right there. And it's over here. I had the privilege yesterday of, of standing right here and doing a wedding ceremony. And I got the privilege of doing it because a couple decided they wanted God's boundaries worse than they wanted what, what they wanted to do. And they're allowing God to reshape their life. We got to baptize him back in the first week of May, back a little bit ago, and it was awesome. And today was just like another, it was just another step in that, of them saying, God, we want what you want. We're not going to do what we want anymore. And God's shaping and molding them in to what he wants. And he saw them being from the very beginning of time, and it is really cool. My, my own daughter wouldn't let me do her, her, her wedding because she knew I would cry. And I started crying yesterday. I would not get through it, right? Right? To live fully, you must live with margin. Let me tell you this. God knows you thrive in a place where you're seeking and finding Him. Not what you want. Not what you think is best. Not what you thought you've wanted all of your life. But when you're seeking and finding Him, listen to verse 27. His purpose, God's purpose in all of that creation, in all of that satisfying needs, in all of that setting boundaries, and all of that was this. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find him. And the next line's awesome. And he is not far from any of us. Like today, if your life is out of whack and there's no boundaries and, and parameters, that doesn't mean God's not near. If there's some area of your life that's outside of the parameters of God, listen to me, he's the one reaching across the border and pulling you close to himself. The fact that Jesus came is testimony of that, that God didn't wait for us to get it right. He came down to help us get it right and make a bridge of, of himself to get from us, from where we are, to where he is, and that's beautiful. And so this morning, there should be no condemnation in this room. There should be excitement that the God who made us, created us, satisfies every need is saying, listen, there's a place for you to live. I know you can't get there right now, but I will help you. I'm not far away. And my plan is that you find me. That's what I want in all of it. I want you to find me in your home life. I want you to find me in, in your sexual relationships. I want you to find me in your finances. I want you to find me in how you conduct your schedule. I want you to find me in your workplace. I want you to find me in your vocation and your calling. I want you to find me in all of that, in your parenting and all of that. I want you to find me. Psalm 2.12 reads like this. Submit to God's royal son. Talking of Jesus again, right? Or he'll become angry. 
and, you're, and you'll be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. You catch that? It's like there's a lot going on there, right? Sounds like it could be talking about the American way of life a little bit, doesn't it? God, God's not... For his anger flares up in an instant, it says there. There's a passage of Scripture where we are compared to being the bride of Christ. There's also a piece of Scripture that says God's jealous. If, if my wife starts to be, begins to do certain things that is outside the boundaries of, of what's good for our marriage, this old dude here is going to have an issue. Not because I'm an ogre, because I love her. And I want a relationship to keep growing and keep going. And I'm not going to be angry with Rachel in as much as I'm angry at the things that are pulling her away. Do you get that? Huh? So when it says God's anger flares up, he's not angry at his, at, at his children. He's angry at the sin and the stuff that constantly buys for our attention and tries to pull us into an adulterous situation away from him and, and away from himself. He wants us near him. That's, that's, the, that's why that's there. But listen to the next line. Everybody say, but. I didn't make it, Nancy, for the record, okay? But, no big shocker there. That's Aaron Hines up there. Good. Okay. But, everybody say it again. Say, but. What joy for all who take refuge in him. What joy for those, I mean, let me explain to you what a refuge is. A refuge is a place with definite boundaries. And the refuge exists for protection. The refuge, the refuge exists because there are certain parameters to make sure certain things are in place, that the people of God are protected. Some of us see God's refuge as a prison. It's not a prison. It's a, it's a protection. Are you hearing me? And if you find yourself inside that refuge, here's what happens. You find great joy. But if you live outside of that refuge, outside of those boundaries, you will find yourself in a place where life is being pulled from you. And you think you're free at times, but you can't figure out why life doesn't fit and things keep getting worse. To live fully, you must live with margin. I put these in capital letters on purpose. If we live according to our own thoughts and desires, we go from thriving to surviving. Verse 28 says, for in him we live and move and exist. We have our being. We're supposed to be his offspring. And the next line is really funny. It says, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Because those are all the things, representative of all the things that draw us away from God. The desire, the Bible would call, First John would talk about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Well, stone, I don't want stones. They're, in their day, that was what they made their homes with. Are you, are you hanging with me? So what he's saying here, all the money you can make in a nice place, you can set up your own boundary and your own set of property, have your own stuff. Those are things, if you're not careful, they'll take you away from God. Those become idols. Those become things you create, you do with your hands, you, you, you accumulate on your own. And if you're not careful, you end up in a place where you're worshiping something other than God. He's not something created. He's something beyond creation. And you can't, you can't find out what you need. And you can't thrive in an environment where those are the things that are the point of your life. Are you hearing me? If we chase those things, we'll never end up where God wants us to be. 
Psalm 3 reads like this. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. That's a boundary. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. Why? Because he's not far from any of us. He answered me from his holy mountain. He says, stop and think about that. Within that boundary of shield, I can call out to God and know that he's listening. When I get out of that shield, that boundary, sometimes I wonder. What the Bible says in the New Testament, it says, it says we, we, we have not because our, we, don't, we don't ask God because our hearts condemn us. You know that? So when, I, when my relationship with God isn't quite right, and I know that I've set certain things up in, in, out of priority and out of line, and I'm outside the boundaries, when I try to come to God, my heart goes, Are you, you think God's listening, really? Anybody ever, anybody ever prayed that prayer and heard that? Huh? But when you're inside that shield, when you're inside that boundary, you know when you pray that God's listening. That he answers. And so the, the, the psalmist says, 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 puts an interlude in there and says, stop, think about that. Read on. Here's this verse, verse 5 says, I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'd like to ask a really honest question. When was the last time you had a really good night's rest? Because you were inside the boundary, you were under the shield, and you knew God had it, no matter how chaotic it was out there. He's got it, and you could just sleep and just go, oh, yeah, he's got me. <sighs> Take a big, deep breath and just, <sighs> that's significant of a place of thriving, a good night's rest, a good night's sleep, and an ability to get through a night without a concern or a worry. That means I'm in a place where I know God has me, and I'm in his fold, and he's the shepherd watching over my life, and he's just got it. I'll speak from myself again. I know there were, there were, my wife can vouch for a couple years ago. There were weeks and weeks and weeks where a good night's rest was hard to find. I was wore out. So I'm a, that's a, can I say something to you? That's more priceless than all the overtime you could work. It's just a good time of rest. Being able to take a big deep breath and know God has it. He says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. No matter what's coming at me, no matter how chaotic it is, because the, the boundaries are set that I might know God. And if he's got me, I'm good. He goes, verse 6, Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you, the word here is bless your people. That is a term that represents thriving, growth, opportunity. That's what that word blessing means. And at the end of it, he goes, interlude. Think about it for just a second. Don't you? And I, th I think the psalmist is going, listen, don't you want that? Don't you want to be under that shield? Don't you want to take a, take a moment and go, man, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to stay. That's where I want my encampment to be is underneath that, not the stuff I'm normally used to. So I want you to think about the garden again. When they were in the garden, everything was striving. But when they stepped outside the parameters, both in principle and in actual location, Adam and Eve went from a place of thriving to just trying to survive. God looks at Adam and goes, dude, from now on, bro, you're going to have to work. It's going to be the sweat of your brow, dude. Eve, from now on, you will, you will labor in childbirth and great pain. I, 
And his inclination is this, I never intended that for you. That was my plan. Now you're outside the parameters, and now you're going to go from thriving in a place where I'm there, and what you need is right there, to a place where you're going to have to scrap for everything. And God says in Psalm 3, you don't have to live there anymore. You come underneath the shield, the shadow of his wings. He'll help you sleep at night. He'll help you, he'll help you carry out the day. He'll help you run that out. Think of the history of the Israelites. There was this constant ebb and flow where God would walk with his people. Then they would step out of the boundary, and then chaos would ensue. And they'd find themselves back into survival mode, trying to figure out what was going to happen next, and how they're going to make things over and over and over again. The Old Testament plays the same story like it's on repeat. As long as we're walking with God, what we need is right there for us. Doesn't mean everything's great. Doesn't mean that there, there's an absence of conflict. Doesn't mean that, that it ever, but it does mean he is with us and he's supplying as we walk where we go. Romans 1 says this, that, that you should go and read the whole chapter of Romans 1. Paul says things like, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to salvation. And then from that point on, he begins to talk about how human beings deviate from the path sexually and other ways. He's real explicit in there. And he says, and they worshiped the creation rather than the creator. It went from the place where God intended his nearness and they chased their own things. And it broke his heart. It put them in a spot where they could not experience the life he saw them in at the beginning of time. Sad. To live fully, you've got to live with margin. So how do you do that? You have to allow yourself to thrive by staying in it. Look at, look at Psalm 16 together. Listen to these words. Preserve me, O God. That sounds like a survival request, doesn't it? Preserve me, O God. Look at the next line. He comes, he comes out of the survival mode into thriving mode. For in you I take refuge. Today, some of you need to do this. Preserve me, O oh God, and step out of survival into thriving by putting yourself back in the boundaries God created. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. See, everything about this will point to God as the reason we need boundaries, not, not, not the... Not, not the, the, the blessings themselves. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, these are the ones who are walking with God. They're the excellent ones. They're the ones to, to take my life after and whom is all my delight. But the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take the names of my lips. I'm not going to live like they live. Because this way, the Lord is my chosen portion. Inside the boundaries he sets, I find him. He's what I really want. And my cup, you hold, you are my portion in my cup. You hold my lot. A lot is a, is a piece of territory, right? A piece of ground that has certain boundaries. You hold my lot. The lines, listen, listen to David's words. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Some of you need a, a mind switch today because you don't want the boundaries and you think it's awful and it's horrible and it's going to confine you in some capacity. But the, the, the psalmist writes, no, the lines God puts for me are beautiful. The place God wants me to live is an awesome place. I want to be there. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. And just like the last verse, in the night also, his heart instructs me. He's got me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. Listen to the next line. And my whole being rejoices. It's in him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. And if we're outside of that in our time, 
in our financial issues, in our emotional resource, in our relationships, if I don't have space to really use the gifts God's given me the way he wants me to use them, I am in a place of survival, not thriving, and I need to, to be in that spot. I have set him always, and my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For Lord, just like in, in, in Acts 17, for you will not abandon my soul. You're not far away, God. You won't let your Holy One see corruption. You make me to know the path of a distinctive path that has certain boundaries. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So what do we do now? You've got to rethink. You've got to rethink life right now. Right now. You've got to look at it. Look at your life, look at your time, look where you're spending your energy, look where you're spending your money, look where you're, you're spending your emotional resource. Look at it right now and see if it's outside the bounds. Make an assessment. Physically, right now, you should be going, okay, going through the different arenas of my life. Where, where, where are things out of sorts? And then you realign. You put your priorities back within his parameters and the list he wants. Number three, you readjust. It's not just good enough just to know it in here, realign it up here. It has to have outplay out here. So you readjust. You apply the function of your living within his margin. You get that? And then once you rethink, once you realign, once you readjust, guess what happens then? You really live. That's where life is found. That's where hope is found. See, the gateway to thriving is his lordship and his parameters. Some of us have come to Christ. We're good with him being our savior and washing away our sins and making us good for heaven. But we've got to come to the place where he's not just savior. He is also Lord. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He owns everything. It's all his anyway. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. For what areas of your life are you living outside of his margin? If you want to try to do the rethink, say this is where you do it. What areas of your life right now are you living outside of his margin? And you feel like all you're doing is surviving. <laughs> just try. If I can just make it through. And you've said things like this. If I can just get through this week. Uh, if, I can, if I can just get past today. I mean, what's waiting for me today? If I just. If I, wow. If I can get past that obstacle. Let me ask you another question. Another question to ask yourself. Are, are your activities subject to his margin so you can thrive? Are the things you're doing, are, is, are they within what he wants or have you even asked him? I had a conversation this week. Somebody was telling me about something that they were making a decision on. And I looked at them and I said, okay, that's cool. Right? And I'm trying to process with them. I said, have you prayed about this? It was like deer in the headlights. I said, you should really go back and pray about that. Should, should really, because that means living under the shield, right? Living under, you're saying, God, what do you, what do you want? Is, I mean, here's, the, here's, here's the real question. Is your heart and motivation subject to his margin? Is your heart and your motivation, are, are the reasons you're doing what you're doing for him or just to get stuff? There's a lot of teaching in the body of Christ these days. It's all about you getting what you get. And I'm not sure it's godly. I'll just say that. Blab it and grab it, name it and claim it, whatever you want to call it. I don't think, I don't think it's the gospel of the kingdom. 
Okay? And so I want you to think about, what are you, would you listen to me today because you just want stuff? Or do you want Jesus? Do you want God? Do you want to know that he's near? Do you want to, I mean, that, that's the point. What is the, is your heart and your motivation subject to his margin so you can thrive wholly, that your whole being would rejoice? I've been reading a book lately called City Changers by a guy named Alan Platt, and he says these words. A love for people is motivated by compassion and fueled by your calling. He says, but we are also entrusted with the things we have to steward as our contributions to the plan of God on earth. That's why you need margin. You're called to be a steward of your life, of your resources, of your energy, of your time, of your money, of your relationships, of the gifts God's given you. You're called to be a steward, right? This contribution is measured by how you steward your life. God has given us finances, time, and personal gifts we could use for His purposes. We don't own those resources, but we are the, their temporary managers or stewards. The Bible says we will one day appear before God and give an account of how we lived, and that's exactly true. What, and it's not, it's not the judgment of God like, you know, hey, you, you know, you're either in or you're out. It's the judgment of God like, I entrust, man. What did you do with it? One day, I think we all want to stand in front of Jesus one day and go, hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. And what we've walked through today is one step in you hearing those words. Just one, one piece of the puzzle. I'm going to ask Jay to come up here. I want you, I'm going to give you a really good chance to respond. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to give you a real good chance to respond. So if you have your phone on you right now and you have the Church T app, get that thing out. Click that Connect card right now. If you don't have the Church T app, grab the Connect card in the pew in front of you. Grab a pen right now. Go right now. Write your nice little name on there. Let us know you were here. And while Jay's singing or playing or whatever he's going to do at this moment, walk back through those questions right there. And if you feel so led, you can bow where you are and have a conversation with Jesus. If you want to come to the altar, it'll be here open. If you want to turn towards your spouse or somebody else sitting there and you want to ask them to pray for you because this one area of your life you know isn't within the parameters, the boundaries that God has set for your thriving and you want to get back in them, now will be the time to do that. The question is today is how is are we walking with God? How close are we walking with God? And how much of, of the Lord is he of our lives? That's the questions. If you don't know Jesus today, here's the thing. This is your moment to go, God. Jesus, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. I have no hope outside of you. And in this moment, as he's playing that song, if you would say those words to him, he would go, come into the family. Let's walk together. I haven't been far from you at all. Let's walk together. And he, he would receive you to himself. And he'd walk with you the rest of your days. If you are a follower of Christ and you know there's an area of life that you're just surviving in, find out why. Why are you, why are you just surviving in that area? And begin to put that part of your life back under his parameters. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org.